This is Tom Parry here for Art Smitten. I'm sitting in Bendigo's Capital Theatre across from the creative director, no less, of the Bendigo Writers Festival, Rosemary Sorensen. Hello, Tom. No, I did pronounce your surname correctly. It's Sorensen. Sorensen. <laughs> but I don't mind Sorensen either. <laughs> uh, no, we better do proper things. So, Rosemary Sorensen. So, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with me today, Rosemary. I wondered if I could start by asking you a bit about the history of the Bendigo Writers Festival, which is happening next weekend and its founding. We're eight years old, Tom. So we started 2012 and it was going to be a, a small festival, but we got a bit carried away that year <laughs> because we've got such good venues. That was the point. We had all these venues where we could run things at the same time. So it was easy for people to pick and choose. So we ended up with a pretty big festival and very successful that first year. And then, darn it, they um, built a Lumbra Theatre. Yes. So we had an extra wonderful venue plus the Stratagem Studio there. So we had to make a decision about whether we were going to use it and whether people would use Alumbra because depending how fast you walk, it's a three-minute walk up the slope. Mm-hmm. I was going to say up the hill, but <laughs> the young people, that's fine, but older people go, oh, there's a hill. But anyway, we added in Alumbra Theatre for evening events and that was great because it gave us that extra space. And then we realised that we could actually add it in during the day and meant that we had extra capacity so people didn't have to panic because some of our smaller venues were packing out we've got 90 100 seaters yeah. and they were packing out so we added that in and yeah the first year it was a bit difficult people didn't oh i have to go you know out of the capital theater yeah. out of view street but then gradually it's become absolutely essential. So this year we've added in the Bendigo Bowls Club, which is halfway between the two events, and we're very interested to see how that goes. We've allowed more time between sessions, so we modified that. The first year it was 15 minutes between sessions, and we wow. had people running between <laughs> <laughs> sessions to, to get to the next one and saying, I can't eat, I haven't had time to eat. So we actually have modified the timing so that there is enough time to move between venues. People still think they have to see everything, which is fabulous but crazy. You can't see everything because there's occasionally six things on at the one time. It's impossible. But we have also added in transport between the two. So we've got golf buggies (laughs) running up and down between the venues so that that takes some of the writers up and also you can hop on a golf buggy Mm. and have a lift. So we think that's going to be pretty funny. And very convenient as well, I would think. And atmosphere too. Like it's a festival atmosphere. So if you've got the whole precinct working, then people feel that it's part. That's the, the wonderful thing about having everything on at the same time in this one area you've got that sense of excitement you know Mm. you can sort of wander and then drop into a session but there's a buzz going on i hate the word buzz but it's true it is like a busy hive it's great no it absolutely is for those who aren't aware i also work in the bendigo library and i was part of the rise in the fringe festival a couple of years ago and there's a huge as you say buzz to that as well because you get so many people visiting this one small space and it just becomes a hive of activity. I can let you know, as a scoop, Yes, we're having to change our festival timing just because everything's becoming very busy. When we started in August, it was dead quiet. Nobody did anything in Bendigo in August, let alone anywhere else. And that's why you know, council said, what about August? And we went, okay, not having any kind of idea of whether that would be good or bad. It was the Bendigo Blues and Roots Festival, terrific festival, and one of the reasons that I started because I thought what they did on volunteer support and with 
an idea and built it was amazing. So I knew it could happen because of them, basically. Then when we developed the volunteer model and developed into August and developed through the capital, because they've got all the staff here, you see, that's the other terrific thing we've got. We've got a very good capital events management here, so we could add on work to them. And so people coming through the capital to work and the technicians and people like that gradually increased their workload which is you know a hard thing for them to do but it's an exciting time for them during the year as well so once we got successful everything else started adding in around us so august is really busy now and as you probably well know doing this arts program august in melbourne is going to change with the white night and melbourne festival now changing it's a big deal and a knock-on effect for all sorts of other people. And that knock-on effect means, and I've been thinking for a few years, wouldn't it be good if, you know, how do festivals evolve? You can't stay still. You have to give people what they want, but you have to evolve. So we are evolving. We are going to make sure that this festival doesn't just follow because we've never wanted to do that. It's always saying what's good for Bendigo, what's good for writing, how are things changing, how do we respond to it? And, you know, (laughs) you could spend your whole life doing that. And, and I've certainly spent the whole last eight years doing that. And every year I go, oh, that's enough. Someone else can do it. But you can't just chuck it in because mm. you've got all that knowledge and you've yes. got all that experience. So I'm trying to take it with us and see what's going to happen next. Watch this space because it would be very difficult to try to market in to that August now, now that Melbourne is doing that, because Melbourne mm. is a big, big place. Yes. It's got four million people. How many? How many is Tom about? Says, oh, uh, almost about five million. Almost five. There you go. I've forgotten a million people. <laughs> We've got 120,000, <laughs> and we punch way above our weight with that 120,000, and I know Melbourne loves us too. Mm. So what we want to do is just listen to people and say, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to evolve it? And that's what we're right in the midst of now so that you're going to see a slight timing shift and a big timing shift. What we don't want to do is overreach and become everything to everybody. We are still Bendigo Writers Festival, and we will make sure we program into that idea, but we'll evolve with it too. Okay. Can you tell us about some of the local authors that you'll be having speaking at this year's festival? Yeah, my big one is the is Goldfields, the book, mm-hmm. and you should have a talk to them later maybe <laughs> because Amy Doak, Amy Doak's a local publisher, does amazing things with artist space books, island retreats of the world. She's done books like that. She started up Bendigo Magazine and then passed that on. So Amy does amazing using the technology of instant print, which has changed publishing mightily since my day when it was all hot type no not quite but you know what I mean (laughs) Um, but she's changed all that so you can instant print at an extremely good price and you don't have to commit to what we used to commit to which was like two or three thousand copies and you then had to worry about distribution it was an enormous thing for somebody to commit to that with instant printing you'd get a lot of junk because people don't have the skills to actually put into the publishing and to put into the preparation of the book Amy's got those she makes a book look good she knows about editing and she also has great passion for the local. So Goldfields this year, which we're going to have readings at our brand new festival club, mm. which, oh my goodness, I will so be in bed by the time this happens. But <laughs> 9.30 at night, I'd go but some other people won't be. And at 9.30 at night, the book readings, the readings from Goldfields and also on Friday night crime readings at the bar at the Bendigo Bowls Club. Mm -hmm. So the readings are 9.30, um, Mm -hmm. which is a good time for a 
25-year-old, not so much for me, mm. will be from the Goldfields book with mm. Amy and her writers. And they'll be showing how you can live and work and publish in this region, mm. which is pretty exciting, really. So I'm really pleased about that. That's the sort of thing that can go in under the umbrella of the Writers' Festival. We've also got a terrific book called Sludge. This one, I look, I know I, go, I get so excited about this and people look at me as I'm mad, but... When you live in a place, and I've only been here 10 years, and you remember Bain Atwood's uh, book about the Jaja Warren, and what it meant was that I was able to look at where I live, right where I live, over the hills, and realise who used to live there, and how it happened, and what kinds of movements of people has changed my landscape. I love it. I just love it. And then... This book comes out, and I heard these two people, which is Peter Davies and Susan Lawrence, talk about it a few years back, and now the book's out, and John Brumby is going to launch it. And it's about the way... You know how we think about Bendigo as being a city in the middle of the forest? Yes. Well, you know what? (laughs) It's really not quite true, and Mm. I hate to say that, but what it is is in the middle of regenerated forests, Mm. and as a result of the landscape totally changing, almost, well, being destroyed for a short while Mm. by what they call sludge. It's all about water rights. You know how that's in the news now so much? Mm. Water rights, basically these very clever entrepreneurial miner types got all the water and then used, just flooded the entire region Mm. with toxic waste, Mm. which just killed everything off, changed the way the water flowed, stopped farmers who were doing fantastic things with viticulture and stuff, Mm. just brilliant stuff, just for a while completely decimated the landscape. Mm. And the beautiful thing is, from that, the very first environmental movement actually grew up in this area from farmers and they wouldn't call themselves environmentalists, but they were because Mm. they were saying, um... Uh, excuse me, that, yeah. that's really destroying things. Yes. And they eventually did win, mm-hmm. or well, they eventually changed things, and ever since then. And now you can actually see repatriation, regeneration mm-hmm. of the landscape, which is really wonderful. But this takes us right back to 1850s, which is after the book that I was telling you about, about yeah. the Jaja Waring, and forward into our own time. So Sludge is actually, <laughs> Sludge <laughs> is being launched and, at the festival. And it's a lot of fun to say as well. It's great. Mm-hmm. And for those <laughs> haven't visited Bendigo, it really does look like a city in the forest from some yep. angles, yep. because you look out over the CBD in the suburbs, yep. and all you can see is just trees yes. and green. Yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. Yep. It is see. fascinating, and also then to see the waterways and the movement of water. And you know, things like, have you ever been to Castlemaine and seen the Garfield water wheel? Oh, yes. Uh, you have. Yes, I'm, I, have I said that very carefully, because you hear about that, mm. and you can look at it and go, oh! That's what it was about and why it's still there and then how it worked. And for me, that's huge. These people have actually tramped all over the territory and actually found all the remnants of this extraordinary period in our history. Now, another one of the authors you've got coming to speak at the Bendigo Writers Festival, I understand, is John Marsden. Yes. He's been in the news very recently and he's been attacked by a group you yourself, Rosemary, (laughs) described as Twitter's book-burning mob. No, hang on. No, wait a minute. That was the headline, remember? Oh, that was the headline. That was the headline. (laughs) My concern is please argue with him. You know, Mm. go for it. Absolutely go for it. What I'm very worried about is the rise, and we've had examples of that just yesterday when Mm. someone chucked something at Lee Sales, you know, Mm. and the poor man clearly lost the plot. Mm. Now, the reason I'm saying that, now I shouldn't say poor man, I don't mean that. It's wrong, wrong, Mm. wrong, wrong. What I'm most concerned about, Tom, is there is a way on social media to make your voice heard 
occurred in a way that is intemperate and sounds violent. And for you, it's nothing. You know, oh, you know, I'll, I'll give you a shove if I see you. You know, that kind of thing. And it means nothing. What we are now realising is that it does mean something. And we had Donald Trump standing up and a crowd going, send her home, send her home. So he knows about that. For most of us, it's not real. It's not violent. If I say to you, oh, come on, Tom, you know, get, get a lie. It's you and me talking, and you know darn well that I'm not going to act on it. Mm. But what's happening around these people, and this is why my plea was to them, just take a moment, and I know how easy it is to tweet, and I know how easy it is to think it's kind of the thing you do. What happens next is that other people pick it up, encouraged by your own sort of sense of freedom, and from that encouragement, then the mob grows. Mm. So it's definitely not the people that I know, you know, are really really wanting to have this conversation mm. it's from people looking for ways to be incited to violence and i do mm. think we we really need to have a think about that now indeed and just for context what's upset many people about john marson's comments is that they were made about australia's current generation of parents and a lot of people you know were quite upset by that yes but, they were but yeah. let's remember that mm. the thing i saw was a quote taken out of an interview like mm. you could do with me right now mm. and i'm sure we- i've said sloppy things you know <laughs> but i'm trusting you and I do trust you and I'm trusting the audience beyond that something can happen you have to stand by what you say and he will I mean this man is is he's been there at the coal face and I'm not going you know all of it he works with these people and he cares clearly so to say Bernie's books and people were saying that is just oh oh wait a minute um can we just go back a bit and have a little bit of a think about that so so yes he did say that in an interview as you well know interviews come in context Mm. interviews are where you should be able to evolve ideas Mm. and if a mistake is made in an interview and people pile on that helps nobody at all a lot of the people i saw in that interview uh, in that the response hadn't read the book Mm. and this happens time and time again and people say oh he's just wanting to draw attention to his eye well you know say that think about it please just let's be careful and Mm. let's try to be maybe i'm wrong tom but let's try to be polite because Mm. politeness i think is a civilized society and if we lose to civilized society we have something which can be very dangerous to those very people who are talking about their kids Mm. and i agree 100 percent, rosemary and it should also be said that the writers festival has been known to bring in for want of a better word, contentious figures. I understand you had Clementine Ford last year, if not the year before. Dare I say this year? <laughs> oh, she's coming this year, is she? And I say, see what happens? Yeah. Yeah. Because I hesitate. Because yeah. Clementine Ford actually gets people abusing her in public for mm. saying things like, I'm worried about boys. Mm. And I just, you know, that. and again, we must be very vigilant about censoring people with the right to say things. If I say something personal to you and abusive, stop me right now. If I say I'm really worried about this kind of writing, argue with me. You know, tell me why I'm wrong. Don't then hurl tubs of yogurt at me because that will mean that people move away from the public space and move away from the really important things that we need to talk about. That doesn't mean you're not going to lose your temper. Of course not. <laughs> 
you know, because it happens. Mm-hmm. People are passionate about stuff. And I, mm-hmm. I think that passion is terrific, but I think we're in a new era of understanding what passion can do. So, yep, she's there too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, and by the way, it is yeah. going to be great. We are looking at record numbers mm-hmm. this year. So people clearly are understanding what I'm saying mm-hmm. here and that it's a great space to enjoy seeing people that you really admire, but also mm-hmm. maybe having you know a really strong argument. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Absolutely. Uh, one of the authors who sadly had to pull out of this year's festival is Mary Rose Cuz Kelly. Now, she wrote a book on Wedderburn, which was about a family murder which took place not too long ago. Does it worry you that these authors are having to pull out of festivals because of the controversy that they happen to generate? I think what I've just said is exactly mm-hmm. that. I think we must take things on their merit at particular moments. I am not against weighing up looking at everything that's happening and looking at the best outcome for all people. I think in that process, there are compromises. And I'm not a compromising person. It goes against my grain. But I think we're in a new era. I think we're in a new period. And I think we have to be so much cleverer. And this is probably not going to specifically answer your question. But what I'm reaching out to for people who are wanting things to be good and decent and better and fair and balanced and freedom of speech, all of those things... I have seen what's happening in America. I have seen mobs stand up and be manipulated by a man who says, send a ho. I didn't say that, you know, that sort of thing. And I've seen that happen and the power that that generates. And I am much more interested right now in trying to give voice to those people who can help me understand what's happening and find ways forward. What we did, Tom, is we laughed. Then an election happened and the comedians were having a heyday and everybody loved it and everybody's loving it on Twitter and all that sort of stuff and, oh, that's so funny and look at them laughing at Donald Trump and look at this and look at them laughing at Boris Johnson. And you know what? It didn't work. So what I'm desperately keen to hear now, rather than focusing on something which matters to me, and I'm very happy to talk to people individually about why that matters to me and what happened, but I'm certainly not interested in keeping along that line because I think it's now passed. I can't do anything about it. And I'm very keen to see how we can improve that discourse around making a difference and standing up for, you know, the Greta Thunberg thing, that kind of the idea of when people intervene and how they intervene and leaders that I admire are making a difference. So that for me is much more important than constantly looking over my shoulder and regretting the way things have been. I'm hoping for most people, you know, the outcomes will be more on the plus side than the minus side. That's really all you can hope for, isn't it? Absolutely. Rosemary, there is one more question I wanted to ask you before we wrap up the interview. You are a writer yourself. Oh. And a very good one at that. Oh, thank you, Tom. But that's yeah. I don't. I don't claim anyway. Yeah. Yes, I was going to ask. AC Grayling, I'm not. <laughs> but, but I did want to ask you, what advice would you have to young writers who are hoping to put their work out there mm. and be involved in festivals like mm, this one? Mm. Thank you for that question, because the way I got into it was I came along, and, and that's a long time ago, and the world has changed. But I came along to places and said, "Oh, I, I'd like a go at that." and watched for people who'd say, yeah, you can have a go. And that's why it's really important to me to actually say to young people, yeah, you can have a go. And there's some people on this program that are taking big steps forward and it's really scary for me and it's scary for them, but I admire and I want to support it. So like you're doing here now, 
you're sitting here with me and you're having a go and you're learning things and you know that it's part of your experience and what I want to do is you know look at you and say good on you and I love the fact that I didn't even know your radio station existed so it's great to know about that because back in my day it was triple r and stuff you know Mm. and those things and I did stuff exactly like you're doing exactly like you're doing and I started to get my skills up and then I started to look for opportunities and I'm not an extrovert so it doesn't have to be someone who's always you know got thousands of followers on Twitter and Instagram it doesn't have to be that although you know, again the world has changed but you keep listening to the good things and working on your skills and being hopeful that you know that it'll build to something I suspect it's a lot harder now I really do and I say that with a regret in my voice because I was a very lucky person. I moved from Adelaide to Melbourne and some doors kind of, I knocked on, no, I didn't sort of knock on doors, I stood out there, <laughs> stood outside the door for a long time and hoped somebody would notice me out there. But I think what happened was I made as many possibilities for myself as I could and I think kept reading the good stuff, kept loving the good stuff and kept seeing that as my goal. So, yeah, that I think is the best way to do it and all the people who turn up to the festival and you can see them here. We keep getting told about young people and festivals well you can't you know pull them along and make them sit you know you have to just keep like you know for instance the growing up gay and growing up queer in australia and growing up african in australia that'll have young people to it because they'll identify with those sorts of writers because they know they're the new writers so you make sure that you're listening to those people and sharing with them and you'll get their stories the bendigo writers festival is happening next weekend the 9th to the 11th of august rosemary Sorensen, thank you very much for joining me today and all the best for the upcoming festival. Pleasure, Tom. We'll see you there. Hopefully, yes.